to episode 30 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McKay. Thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. That's at DMAC underscore LA. All news related to the Get More Sports Podcast, you're going to find right over there. But on today's jam-packed episode 30, we got topics on topics on topics. Going to get things kicked off. Talk a little NBA. Going to break down the Paul George Kawhi Leonard introductory press conference. You know Steve Ballmer was going to bring it, and he did not disappoint. Haven't seen Steve Ballmer this pumped since Windows 95 was announced, and he had Bill Gates up there dancing and clapping to the Rolling Stones. But he was bringing it. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. We're going to talk about the press conference, and then we're going to talk some NFL. Adrian Peterson becomes the latest NFL superstar to apparently go broke. He's having money issues. We're going to talk about that. Some more football. Might touch on some baseball. So topics on topics on topics here on episode 30 of the Get More Sports podcast. But you know we were going to get things kicked off with the Paul George Kawhi Leonard press conference and you knew that Steve Ballmer was going to bring it he did not disappoint check out Steve Ballmer opening things up at the press conference come on come on come on get up come on get up if you were tight as I am get up who I am so excited to have, two guys who are, are tough. You watch them play, they're tough. I love the toughness. Two guys who every year, every year have gotten better. Every year. That's the kind of, that's, look, I'm inspired by that. Work, off-season, off-court, work, 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 work. Two guys, two guys who are MVP guys. Paul was having the most impressive season of the year. I know you had a little injury. Third in the MPP voting. Third. A guy who could be first. Third. Kawhi, MVP of the NBA Finals. Man, that's pretty damn good. You don't think we can win some ball games this year with Paul and Kawhi on our team? We're going to win some ball games. But there's only a few games we need to need. We need to win the last game played during the NBA season. That's the game we got to win. Kawhi said something uh, when they won the championship this year about the Larry OB. The only thing that matters is the Larry OB. So, yes, Steve Ballmer, he delivered. He came with that energy. You knew he would. I don't know what he had for breakfast that morning. I don't know if he replaced his cornflakes with a bowl of Molly's or did he eat Ric Flair. I have no idea. But he was in rare form, so you got to love Steve Ballmer. And I just think, man, this guy, I don't know what would happen if they won the NBA title. If they won the NBA title, he's talking about the Larry OB, they might just have to replace the ball on the Larry O'Brien trophy with Steve Ballmer's head because I really think it would pop off. I really don't know what would happen if the Clippers won an NBA title. But, 
you got a lot of people out there. It's kind of mixed. I feel like it's more people in favor of his antics, of his energy. You got some people out there that aren't a fan of it. Some people think it's a little over the top. Some people think it's a little dorky, this and that. To me, it reminds me a little bit of Harry from Dumb and Dumber, but that's a whole different story. One of my favorite movies of all time. But to me, I think this is what the Clippers needed. The Clippers needed a guy that would inject energy, that would inject leadership, a guy with, more importantly, with deep pockets, okay? This guy's pockets are deeper than the Mariana Trench, and you see it because, look, they say money can't buy you happiness. It definitely can't, but it can buy you an NBA team. It can force you to overpay for a team that was valued in the $700 million range, and you paid $2 billion for it, more than double what it was worth. And it can also buy you infrastructure. It can buy you Doc Rivers at $11 million a year. It can buy you Jerry West. It can buy you Lawrence Frank. It can buy you all the ingredients you need to get Kawhi Leonard, to get Paul George and To me, that would make me very, very happy to own an NBA team and have limitless pockets because, look, the bank of of Steve Ballmer is crazy. He's worth $50 billion. And, look, you got people that say, hey, he's a little too crazy. He's he's a little too high energy. He's too happy. Is he doing lines of cocaine, all this crazy stuff? I don't think any of that is true at all. I think the guy just brings it. I think Steve Ballmer's a guy. He can lose that entire $50 billion that he has in his bank account. And with that energy, give him a couple years, he's probably back in the 20 to $25 billion range. Some people are unique and special like Steve Ballmer. And I'm telling you, I dig it for this Clipper organization that has a, histor- a history of ineptitude. And you go from the worst owner of all time and quite possibly one of the worst people of all time in Donald Sterling, and now your future is looking sterling. It's looking like you have the foundation and the infrastructure to build a winner from not just this year, not just the next year, for decades. You hear him talking about building a basketball-only arena that would seat about 15,000 in Inglewood. You know what I think about that? I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that is a genius idea from a guy who spent his entire life as an innovator that has broken rules, that has broken ground, that has used his his vision to, to, to generate and net billions for not himself but others. So I think that's a great idea. You move out of an arena that you're renting from the big, bad Los Angeles Lakers, an arena that famously the Clippers put banners over banners just to cover the Lakers banner, You an arena where Taylor Swift hangs more banners than you, I think it's a brilliant idea to go to the Clippers to go build their own arena because it just makes a lot of sense. It's closer to the beach cities where a lot of the players live in the offseason. I think all these Laker fans, all these Laker haters, I saw some funny tweets on Twitter where, of course, where else would you see them? But uh, some funny tweets on Twitter that said that had pictures of of Thunder and Laker fans linking up in Paul George slander. But look, the Lakers need to understand, of course they're the Lakers. Of course this will always be a Laker town. But that doesn't mean the Clippers can't 
pose some problems for the Los Angeles Lakers. They definitely can. And I'm telling you, Steve Ballmer is the right guy for the Los Angeles Clippers. One of my favorite tweets I read, Vincent Samperio, he put a clip of the Steve Ballmer reaction. He goes, this is the moment you this this is the moment you realize you may have joined a cult because Steve Ballmer's energy it is a little extra love it or hate it but he was bringing everyone to stand up but hey I'm telling you 50 billion dollars I myself I consider myself a happy guy I consider myself a guy who has a good amount of energy and me I'm like a basically a thousand air that with a bad weekend in Vegas can dip down to a hundred air if that's even what you call it, and I still am a happy dude. I can only imagine if I was waking up and seeing $50 billion in my bank account. So, hey, Steve Ballmer, trust me, I think a lot of you guys out there would feel the same way. That's that billionaire mentality that Steve Ballmer poses. But, hey, you got to love it with Steve Ballmer. Let's break down this press conference a little bit. So the Clippers, you got to give them all the credit in the world because this process has taken them years, okay? It has taken them they they really started from nothing. They started from scratch. They started with assets in Lob City. I thought it was an interesting jab by Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers said that Lob City that uh, they didn't have that, that uh, they didn't have the winning mentality, that Lob City had some baggage. And really, it was those moves were very criticized. You dump Blake Griffin after signing him to a long-term deal. You trade Chris Paul. And even last year, last year, they were having a surprise year, and they traded Tobias Harris and still made a nice run against the Warriors in game and took him to six games. So they even took the Warriors to a sixth game and despite trading away their best player at the time in Tobias Harris. So you got to give them credit. They've done everything in a short amount of time, but it's taken a couple years. Here's some things that they've done. The Los Angeles Clippers, this didn't happen overnight, even though it really all was executed in a matter of minutes. You know how the saying goes, you spend your whole entire life to be an overnight success. It takes 20 years to be an overnight success. That was the case for the Los Angeles Clippers because Los Angeles Clippers, it was around 10.30 p.m. Pacific time on Friday, July 5th. The Clippers and the Oklahoma City Thunder, they concluded a 48-hour, 48-hour negotiation and agreed on the framework of the deal. George, of course, was shipped away for Shea Gildress Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, five first-round picks, two for Miami, and two pick swaps. And then it came down to a furious five-minute finish where they called Kawhi Leonard. They said, hey, you wanted a dude? You want another guy? You didn't want to carry the load? We got you Paul George, okay? We didn't just get you Paul George for nothing. We mortgaged our future draft picks. We gave a guy in... Uh, Shea Gildress Alexander, who is definitely a promising young star. 
And this is how they earned Kawhi Leonard's trust. They didn't just talk about it. They did it with actions. It's one thing. See, the Lakers, they get you in a room. They put magic there. They show you the trophies. They talk and they talk and they talk. But the Clippers were showing actions in this situation. They were earning his trust by their actions. And the Paul George was the major domino. And it was the catalyst that got the deal done. Because, look, like Chris Haynes reported yesterday – Paul George was uh, – Kawhi Leonard was never going back to Toronto. He talks about how even being in San Antonio, that he would come back to California in the offseason, and his nephew, his nieces, they would, they would go from being babies to being six, seven years old, and he didn't want to have that experience again. This was a family move by Kawhi Leonard. This was a I'm coming home no matter what. And I'm going to the situation. I'm going into the situation that proves worthy. That proves that it's the right fit for me. Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers make so much sense. Okay, and it's not just because Kawhi Leonard is a robot and Steve Ballmer is from Microsoft. It's because as an organization, they are much more buttoned up right now. I believe what Jerry West said. I truly believe that this organization is elite with how they handle things. And if you remember, it was episode 23 where we talked about how the Clippers, how the, how the, how the Lakers and the Raptors failed their major tests. Okay, I said that the Lakers failed their test with Magic Johnson leaking the meeting. Okay, and I know Kawhi Leonard has denied this, but hey, I, uh, I if you read the, if, I'm going to show you a clip right here where I think that he kind of let it slip that it did mean something, and then I think the Raptors, which were never in it, we know now they failed their test in having all the hoopla and turning into the O.J. Simpson case with the helicopters and whatnot. But I truly believe. That uh, and Kawhi Leonard confirmed what I what we said here on the Get More Sports podcast that the Lakers had failed that test and that Magic Johnson really ultimately as charming and gregarious as he is was really a detriment to the recruiting efforts of Kawhi Leonard and here's Kawhi Leonard mentioning that the lack of leaks lack of leaks now remember a Clipper is a ship right a Clipper is a ship and there was no leaks on that ship. And Kawhi Leonard tells us that right here. Mutual understanding between everyone and just be transparent if it's good or bad. And, you know, um, I feel like that builds a great relationship. Um, you know, uh, you know, once we had our meeting, I felt like um, they were true to their word. Um, nothing really got out. Uh, and, you know, um, it was a great decision, like I said. Uh, we had a uh, head coach here um, that won an honor that wants to win badly. Um. So it was clear they got it done. And over the past two seasons, look what the Clippers have done. They've completely revamped their entire organization, a well-run infrastructure, a culture that is absolutely tailor-fit for a Kawhi Leonard. And it's really a beautiful thing if you're a Clipper fan right now. A full disclosure, I grew up here in Los Angeles as a diehard Laker fan. A diehard Laker fan who always used the Clippers as the butt of their jokes. Always. The Clippers is the team where you can't get tickets to see your favorite star. You go get tickets to the Clippers game, right? And I have nothing but respect for what the Clippers have done because they have absolutely earned this. One thing that I don't think goes unnoticed here, 
and I haven't heard people talk uh, very much about is that during the season, during the season, there was a much made uh, about the fact that the Clippers had scouts at every single Toronto Raptors game, including Lawrence Frank, a president. But then when the Clippers played the Raptors, Steve Ballmer himself, he flew up to Toronto to watch Kawhi Leonard play in the Clippers' only game at the Scotiabank Arena. If that doesn't show you, a guy, he, you know the saying, you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. <clears throat> That's what Jay-Z says at his concerts, right? That's what Jay-Z's line goes. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. With $50 billion, Steve Ballmer could have been anywhere in the world. He could have even not been there. And he goes to Toronto, and he watches... Him And I just respect the process. Look at the 76ers process. Lose, 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 tank, 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 tank. Try to amass as many lottery picks. Find that star. They did this without tanking. They did this while getting a playoff appearance uh, this year. So, really, I think the basketball gods did them a solid. Now, like you said, you want Paul George, they – uh, one, one of the quotes from an anonymous uh, source in the organization says, you want Paul George? We'll move the moon to get him for you. We'll re-sign Patrick Beverly, Jamichael Green, Ivaka Zubac, Rodney Magruder, and trade for Mo Harkless, designing what many across the NBA believed is the league's uh, one of the league's best rosters. So they did it. They trusted him. And I just want to say, they did everything right. I mean, you give the Clippers credit, but I just want to say, what is up with Kawhi Leonard? He had his little open mic night. Kawhi Leonard was out there doing his open mic stuff. So here's Kawhi Leonard getting some laughs. You know Kawhi Leonard. I tell you, man, this guy's got a sense of humor. He knows what worked, but here's him. It, was not a, it wasn't the comedy store, the Laugh Factory. It was the Clippers press conference, but check this out. Um, you know, I don't have social media, so I'm not able to put out a you know, paragraph or whatever, but... <laughs> but uh, like I was going to say, uh, just thank all uh, Toronto, the city, the country. Um, you know, it was a great, amazing season. Best parade ever. Uh, thanks to the doctors for, you know, delivering uh, my baby, my baby boy. Uh, he's three months now, still healthy. Uh, I also want to, I also just want to, um, you know, thank the city as far as the restaurants. Um, you know, giving up that Kawhi and dying uh, throughout the playoffs. Uh, took advantage of that. <laughs> uh, you know, the players, they already know what's up. Um, you know, text, FaceTime me, we'll talk. Uh, coaching staff as well. So we'll see. We'll see. I've, heard, I've seen a lot of naysayers out there. I've seen naysayers say, oh, they're just one injury away. If Kawhi breaks an ankle, if Paul George's shoulder doesn't work, those draft picks are gone. But you know what? That's the situation, and that's the story for all 30 NBA teams, okay? So, of course, injuries are a factor. But now we know, and even if they don't do it, these resources that the Clippers have and this established infrastructure is going to keep them a winner for years to come. You don't think, okay, even if Paul George and, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard could not work out, and this would still be the greatest day in Clipper history. It would still be a monumental accomplishment that's going to pay dividends for decades to come, okay? So all these Laker, uh, Laker fanboys that are coming out saying, oh, if he, if he rolls his ankle, this and that, it does not matter. 
Because guess what? The word is out. The word among agents, the word amongst NBA front offices is that the Clippers have their blank together. They have their you-know-what together. They have it all put together as an organization, and you just got to give them credit. And I think that this is what we're moving towards in the NBA. If you look at the NBA, it's about moving in silence. It's about brick by brick, doing it day by day versus trying to be desperate and make those power moves overnight. So we're going to see what happens. But if you just look at some of the teams that have turned it around, if you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, if you look at the Brooklyn Nets, if you look at the Golden State Warriors, what do they all have in common? You have a collection of owners that have been tremendously successful in other avenues outside of sports, entertainment, tech world, business, coming in and using what worked in their previous jobs and how they amassed their wealth and they're infusing into an NBA team and it's all about professionalism top to bottom you hire the best people you get results and you do all the dirty work behind the scenes where does that compare to the Lakers okay the Lakers last year they got desperate they got desperate they oh we got to make a trade we got to trade Anthony Davis LeBron James wants to do this let's do that and then how did that how did that work out for them okay so I, I still think the Lakers, if, you, if I have the choice between Anthony Davis and LeBron James versus Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I watched a lot of Thunder games last year. Paul George had multiple sur- surgeries on his shoulder. He has a rod in his leg. And I think Anthony Davis is the player with the most tread on his tires of those four. And he's the player that is the absolute best and uh, that has the absolute most left in his prime. So if I have to pick between Anthony Davis and LeBron James versus Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard, I'm going with LeBron and Anthony Davis all day, every day, but we'll see how big that window is. We'll see what LeBron James does coming off an injury. One thing I love from the press conference, if you saw Doc Rivers and Kawhi Leonard, they were holding their jerseys up and Paul George was in front of Kawhi Leonard, and it was 1-3-2, and he had them reverse it where it was Kawhi and Paul George, and it read 2-1-3 like the area code, like the rap group with Nate Dogg, Warren G. And really, the Clippers are regulating on this entire league right now with the way they're doing things, and there is a reason. There is a reason why today the NBA wins and loss totals came, came out Guess who's number one? In Caesars Palace, they have the Los Angeles Clippers at 55 and a half games. That's number one in the NBA. Los Angeles Lakers, they're fifth. Okay? If if the Lake if, if, if Caesars Palace, the wise guys in Vegas, if they believed what many Laker fans believed in, oh, we got LeBron. LeBron's the best player. Anthony Davis. We got Danny Green. We got all this. We got we're the purple and gold. By the way, I will say. You love it. I don't know who was the first to spot this on online, but you, with Anthony Davis being number three, LeBron is two, 23. You have 323 versus 213 LA area codes, but that's going to be the battle. But if they felt that way, like the, if the Vegas doesn't feel how Laker fans feel, because the Lakers today, they are fifth at 51 and a half games. Look who's ahead of the Lakers. The Denver Nuggets who have somehow been swept under the rug here with 52. Houston Rockets, who just acquired Russell Westbrook. 
uh, with 52 wins. And then number two, behind the Clippers, believe it or not, and this is a team, if you saw my free agency special, I told you I'm super high on this team, the Utah Jazz. The Jazz coming in at number 50, at 54 wins, and that's a, a very big jump. So Laker fans, get ready. Clipper fans, get ready. It's really the best thing for the Los Angeles Lakers because they're not going to be able to be complacent. They're not the only show in town. And if the Clippers lose, they're the Clippers. If the Lakers lose, it's a big story. So the Lakers win or lose, it's going to be a big story. The Clippers, they win, it's a story. If they lose, they're the Clippers, and they're better than they've ever been. So that's what we got for Lakers-Clippers. It should be a great show. Next topic, we're going to talk about Adrian Peterson. So Adrian Peterson, he's the next NFL star to really have some money issues. So Adrian Peterson, you got to really feel for this guy. Apparently, he's going broke. And I just want to say, we saw this coming, okay? I saw this coming back in an episode of Entourage. I'm a big fan of Entourage. And I gave it a rewatch a couple years ago. And you remember the episode? There's an episode where Adrian Peterson is buying dinosaur fossils. Check this out. It's very cool. That is the skull of a recently discovered species of Allosaurus. It's Adrian Peterson's. Hey, hey. Chase. I haven't seen you, you since New Orleans. Yeah, hey, man. Hey, tough loss. Yeah, they're all tough. You guys trying to buy my skull? Ah, we're just browsing. Also, you follow that up. You follow that up with the fact, if you saw his lavish party, where he flew 300 people in first class. 300 people in first class. You had camels. You had camels bringing people in. You had an ice bar, okay? And that's just an absurd, absurd party. I mean, come on. Maybe a couple people, you fly them in first class, and then you do the rest Spirit Airlines, and you wouldn't have this problem today. Or do what Drake did, get your own plane if you want to ball out like that. But he's apparently going broke, and it's really a, a really sad state of affairs because apparently – He's got some bad business uh, business people around him. Here's a quote. The truth behind Adrian Peterson's current financial situation is more than is being reported at this time, his loyal Carlson said in a statement. Because of ongoing legal matters, I am unable to go into detail, but I will say this is yet another situation of an athlete trusting the wrong people and being taken advantage of by those he trusted. Adrian and his family look forward to sh- sharing further details when appropriate. So it looks like it's the same story. And Antoine Walker's out there saying, hold my beer, because this is a guy who lost way more than Adrian Peterson. It's not that severe because he still has time to recoup that money. And then also he's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. So there's going to be revenue streams out there moving forward for him. But in 2011, he agreed to a seven-year, $100 million contract with the Vikings and, of course, that was like a base almost a decade ago, but he's scheduled to earn $1.5 million next year and is $750,000 the following season from the Washington Redskins. So being in Washington, he's close to that Federal Reserve. Maybe they they figure out how to manage that money. Maybe that help him. But, look, I mean, he's had some issues, okay? Like he had that switch issue where he was hitting his son with a switch. He had some legal issues. But I'm telling you, six baby mamas, Adrian Peterson – that's going to get expensive, okay? 
best investment he could have had was getting a vasectomy because he's basically half a Cromartie at this point for how many kids he has. And that's going to bring up our viral flashback video of the day. Our viral flashback video of the day is going to be Antonio Cromartie. Might hit you with the bonus one a second here, but Antonio Cromartie listing all of his kids on HBO's Hard Knocks. He's having some issues doing it, but check out our viral flashback video of the day with Cromartie. It'd be that father figure, you know, that, that husband. Well, what is wrong with What's wrong with your hair? <laughs> what is going on with your hair? Yeah, Alonzo, who is five. I have... Um, Karis, who is three. I have my my junior, which is three. I have a my daughter, who just turned three as of yesterday. Um, I have another son named Tyler. That's uh, he turns three in December. I got another uh, daughter that was born October 16th, named London. Uh, another daughter that was born named Leilani, who's uh, two years old, and. Uh, I have uh, my newborn with my wife. Her name is Jersey. But look, these guys are taken advantage of. They are placed into these faulty investment schemes. Put your money in stocks. Put your money in real estate. That's, that is my message to all these NFL players. Cut down your entourage. Cut down how much your family and friends are will you know stop buying your family and friends things stop you have to learn to say no that is my advice for a guy who uh uh really just I've, I've really been really obsessed with you know ever since I saw the 30 for 30 broke I've really been obsessed with how these athletes I know that they are as taxed as financially taxed as really anyone in the world and really you know you see 100 million dollars you wonder how much of that gross they're taking home probably half that but even then Cut out the cut out the entourage. We just mentioned entourage. Cut down that entourage, okay? And you got to learn to say no. It's as simple as that. You have to learn how to say no to family, to friends, and then put your money in stocks and put your money in real estate because you don't need to go to the Vince Young School of Money Management and buy restaurants and, and spend $20,000 at the Cheesecake Factory. That will be my you know, sports fact of the day, that one time Vince Young dropped 20K at a cheesecake factory. That's a lot of cheesecakes. But another sad thing, too, is really of all the people, of all the players that have lost their money, it's really sad when you consider that he is the number one top-earning running back of all time. Number one all time is Adrian Peterson at $99.2 million. Number two is Frank Gore at $60 million. Number three is LaShawn McCoy at $58 million. Man, the Buffalo Bills are paying those backs. Then Marshawn Lynch at four with $56 million. Darren Sproles, number five, at $43 million. And then Todd Gurley's banked about 33 at this point. So, look, Adrian Peterson, you went number seven in the draft. Now you're number one in the overdraft, my man. You need to get it together. You need to put together a couple more years. Get out of that debt. I'm wishing for you, man, that Aladdin costume. Gold is up. Maybe you can sell that gold. But, look, hey. I'm just saying, Adrian Peterson, running backs. I mean, the NFL really needs to do a better job because I know the NBA, NBA has made a very conscious effort. NBA players are investing. NBA players definitely get paid more than NFL players, but it's just something you don't want to see. Adrian Peterson, who has had a Hall of Fame career, and 
I just love watching AD play. And this will be my second. We're going to do one more viral flashback video of the day. We'll give you two because it's Friday. And it's when the reporter did not know he was talking to Adrian Peterson. He did not know he was talking to Adrian Peterson uh, for a, a road rage report he was doing on a local broadcast. Play the clip right here. About road rage. Road rage, huh? Yeah. So, uh, have you ever had anyone go road rage on you? Uh, I have. It's, it's been a long time, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely had somebody go road rage on me. Before. What happened? Point a gun at you? Oh, no. I didn't get to that level. Um, but kind of slammed the brakes in front of me. And uh, I was able to kind of maneuver and get around them. And it took everything in me not to flip them the bird. But, uh, you know, I kind of gave them a little stare as I passed by. But, I mean, you worried about someone pulling out a gun on you? Yeah, you definitely got to be uh, aware of that, you know, because you never know um, what to expect with people these days, especially with road rage. It's unfortunately that it's unfortunate that people would go to that extent to pull out a weapon or something. Um, yeah, I, I think I recall seeing something in the news the other day about an eight-year-old girl who uh, who passed. The woman who got murdered last night. Yeah, it's, that's it's, why we're doing the story. Yeah, man, it's it's so unfortunate. That's why I tell my wife and my brothers and sisters when you're driving around to try to avoid any type of road rage. You know, you've seen anyone that's you know kind of you know, hackling you on the road, you know, just go around them and, you know, just let them win. You know, your life is, is too short to be on the highway, you know, swerving in front of people or, or speeding up, trying to catch up to people. It's, you never know what people, how they will react to it. Absolutely. All right, your name? Adrian Peterson. Hi. Wait a minute. You're not. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> I knew you were so that's going to do it for Adrian Peterson. Get your money right, my man. I'm rooting for you. One of my favorite running backs of all time. Sad story of a guy losing his bank like that. But a couple... And next, we're going to touch on a story out of the Pac-12. So Pac-12 football, they had their early season media day press conference and one of the big headlines was that the Pac-12 is considering a 9 a.m. start time, a 9 a.m. local start time for games, which would make it the earliest of any major conference. And Pac-12 fans are up in arms, and it's really not a good look for a commissioner, Larry Scott. So the Pac-12 commissioner, if you, let me get you up to speed on the Pac-12. He is universally loathed by Pac-12 fans for a lot of different reasons, but the Pac-12... And Larry Scott. So Larry Scott is the second highest paid commissioner in all of sports. He brings home $5 million a year. And he has really disappointed as the Pac-12 commissioner. A lot of things that people don't like. A lot of people don't like the scheduling, the referees. A lot of people don't like the fact that the Pac-12 network has a terrible deal where you don't see it on direct TV. And it's a lot like the Dodgers deal with Spectrum, but 90 times worse. You really can't even see it in the East Coast. So you got Pac-12 fans losing exposure of their favorite teams. And that's really one of the main reasons. Also... From a negotiation standpoint, he really did a terrible job negotiating the Pac-12's deal. The Pac-12, of all of the schools, the Pac-12 gets the lowest amount of money from their TV contract. Back in 2011, 
they endure, they negotiate a deal that gives every school in the Pac-12 $20.8 million for each school, and that's dwarfed by the SEC, the Big Ten, teams that have big-time deals. And then also, like I said, the distribution rights. You don't see it on DirecTV. You don't see it on, on a lot of suppliers. And if you want to learn more about uh, Larry Scott and his ineptitude and his failures as the Pac-12, go check out John Canzano from the Oregonian. He did a 10-part series against Larry Scott. That's how much they hated the dude. And look, last year the Pac-12 lost $12.5 million, okay? Their revenue is down, and this is one of the innovation, innovative solutions that is proposed by the Pac-12 to have 9 a.m. games, right? And there's a couple of different ways to look at this, okay? And to me, I'm a little conflicted. I'll give you my take in a second here. But one of the issues the Pac-12 has is geography itself, is the time zone, is the fact they have games starting at 7.30 when the East Coast and the SEC, they've spent all day watching their conferences and you got games starting at 10.30 p.m. Me, I love it. I'll be on my couch from 7 a.m. to uh, 1 a.m. I'm not, I mean, I'm, that's, just, that's just what it is with me. But for some people, that's a little too much to ask. But another way of looking at it is let's say you get a team like an Oregon, like a USC when they're good, like a US, UCLA with Chip Kelly. If teams are playing an exciting brand of football and you start developing stars like a Christian McCaffrey, a Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, guys that are getting highlights early in the day and they play those all throughout the day, then the Pac-12 is in the conscience of not just the voters but the media. So it would have some benefits but uh, it's really, what would you ra- rather have? Would you have that or would you have g- going against big-time teams? Because if you put a premier Pac-12 game at 9 o'clock or even earlier than that, you could get some exposure. And at the, at the end of the day, the Pac-12 needs to explore these. And I know you don't want to see it. I know you hate to see it. I, you hate to see waking up early in the morning to see some football and you want a little more time to tailgate. But look, the Pac-12 has been down in the dumps. Their last year, they went 1-8 in bowl games after the 2017 season. 1-8 in bowl games, and they have not had a title contender since Oregon was in the inaugural championship game against Ohio State. So if you're Pac-12, I know you don't want to hear this, Pac-12 fans, but I'm actually for this. I am actually for this, for the Pac-12 to go in and try to try to do something to enter the conscience and the minds of the national media and bring attention. Because look, what are the best college game days? The best college game days are ones that... Are that fo- immediately follow that immediately follow the show. So ESPN's College Game Day, it's a big deal. Thousands of people show up. It starts from seven to nine, and maybe if the uh, Pac-12 starts doing this, they will have more uh, ESPN College Game Days. I think that's something that's very possible. So Pac-12, I think you really should do this, and really you could also explore the mountain time zones that start at ten a.m. So hey, Pac-12 fans, get to bed early, get you some coffee. If you want, hey, get up, get you know. Pack in some keg stands. You can do your normal tailgating. It'll you'll probably be better off. You'll probably all our lives will probably be better for this if you get in a 9 a.m. game. I'm just saying, early to bed, early to rise makes a conference healthy, wealthy, and wise. Maybe that is a possibility for the Pac-12. <laughs> As 
And finally, we're going to talk a little bit about Noah Syndergaard of the New York Mets and his potential destinations, and one of them being the Los Angeles Dodgers. So word in the baseball world is that Noah Syndergaard is going to be traded and that is just a matter of time, and you have a number of suitors, a lot of them elite teams. You got the Twins looking at him. You also have the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I'm saying right here, right now, that the Los Angeles Dodgers should seriously consider adding Noah Syndergaard to their rotation, okay? And I know what you're thinking. Dodgers, number one staff in baseball, right? They're number one across the board in most, if not every category when it comes to starting pitching. So why would you disrupt that? Why would you add a guy like a Noah Syndergaard to that already elite rotation? And the answer is because he's potentially that good and potentially that valuable to a Dodger team that is without Rich Hill. Rich Hill is 39 years old. Rich Hill is a guy that already... Is uh, he's a free agent? He's injured. He's got that uh, flexor problem, and he's really who knows what he's going to look like when he's back. And with the hard deadline this year of July 31st, if Rich Hill isn't what he is, the Dodgers are going to be left with an incomplete staff, and they're going to be probably using a Kenta Maeda. Maybe they'll go with the Julio Urias. And I also know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, aren't you the guy? For my longtime Get More Sports listeners, are you the guy that said that? that uh, you're, you're dogging Noah Syndergaard early in the year when he was calling the Dodgers cheaters, when he was calling them uh, sign stealers, you were calling Thor Thor loser. Yes, I am that guy, but I'm also a guy that knows talent when he sees it, and I think Noah Syndergaard could be a great addition to a Dodger team that also, look, I host the Dodgers Nation post-game show, and a couple weeks ago when Matt Boyd of the Detroit Tigers was linked to the Dodgers, one of the things I was saying is, look, Rich Hill is going to be gone potentially. He might retire. He's 39. Hunjin Ryu is a free agent. I think Hunjin Ryu ultimately re-signs with the Dodgers. But look, you put uh, Noah Syndergaard, 26-year-old, with a Walker Bueller, two flamethrowers on the same squad, and then you're really starting to build for that future. So look, this is a guy this year, 2016, a 4-3-3 ERA, 1-2-6 whip, 126 strikeouts in 126.2 innings. Those don't scream ace elite status, right? But this is also a guy that um, has two years of, of finishing with a sub-3 ERA last year. He was at 303 with a 121 whip, 155 strikeouts in 154 point one inning. So he's a guy, he's got ace level stuff. And if you're the Dodgers, you got to consider making that move. I'm all for it. If it came down to bringing in a Noah Syndergaard or a Felipe Vasquez, I would much rather have a starting pitcher that can miss bats and someone that uh, has elite stuff because the Dodgers are a franchise that value spin rate. They value velocity. They value a lot of the things that Noah Syndergaard has in his bag. And it's a very exciting idea And then the postseason, we'll see. The postseason is about pitching. It's about missing bats, and he can do that. Hunjin Ryu of the Dodgers, to me, is going to win the Cy Young. He's my pick right now. I think he gets it done ultimately. But in seven postseason games, he's posting a 4-11 ERA, and I think he can be elite. And I think uh, it's definitely possible. But with Syndergaard, you get two flamethrowers, and then you get two command guys and guys that know how to locate in Kershaw and Ryu. So it's a very exciting prospect for the Dodgers. 
I think you should get it done, Andrew Freeman. But that is going to do it for episode 30 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us 30 episodes in. Hope you guys have a great weekend. we got a jam-packed show for you Monday. We're going to be bringing you the MLB trade special on Monday. But thanks again, guys. Have a great wet rest of your weekend. And I'm...